Hi everyone, welcome to Step Serum. Today we have a very special episode because we have someone as our guest who has experienced an incredible amount in a field of empathy, mental health, and business. Someone with an extremely unique profile. I can describe her as an author, as a keynote speaker, a columnist, an empathetic leader, and a wonderful person as well. That's my addition. I would like to introduce you guys all to Mimi Nicklin, who joined, uh, who agreed to join us on the podcast for Step Zero. Mimi, welcome to Step Zero, and I'm really, really happy that you agreed to join us and be part of the conversation about mental health in the modern workplace. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're really excited to have you here. And as I mentioned to the audience, you're, you're definitely someone that has an incredible background, a lot of experience in the field of leadership, um, self-development and growth. And that's why we're so excited to have you here, to hear your thoughts um, and, and learnings over the past year, a uh, couple of years and what you can recommend to our audience who are also going through their own uh, personal growth phases uh, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to exploring how they can be better leaders and partners. And I think there's no one who's a better expert than yourself when it comes to empathetic leadership. Before I get into that, I would love to give you the word um, to maybe introduce yourself a little bit, your experience. I think it would be extremely interesting for our audience to get to know you a little bit better because you've also lived all around the world, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I have. So hello, everybody. My name is Mimi, and I'm actually speaking today from Dubai, which is where I live currently. Um, and you're absolutely right. I have. I've spent the last 13 years uh, living and working around the world, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, across South Africa. Now I'm in Dubai. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind world tour. Um, and yeah, as, as you mentioned, um, I have spent the last few years specializing in empathetic influence and that's really my purpose and my passion. Um, I have just finished my first book and I'm doing lots of work in, in just trying to get the word out there and to get people to understand a little bit more about what empathy is and how it can positively impact our world and our wellness. That, that's actually a wonderful purpose. And I love the word that you use purpose because a lot of our audience and a lot of the people that we're talking to, they're also in the search of their own purpose. They're trying to figure out, you know, who they are, what they, what they stand for and, and what they're here to, to do for the world, to better the world and also for, for themselves. So it's really great to hear, um, hear this from someone that has gone through that journey and found the purpose and how you're actually living that, living that purpose. Um, before we, we talk a little bit about your expert topic and your passion, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your, your relationship through empathy, through your leadership with mental health as well, and, and what has actually brought you to, to us, apart from obviously us trying to hunt you down for the, for the better half of the month. <laughs> um, look, I um, have been in leadership positions for, for a number of years, so the wellness and the health of my team has, has always been um, something I've had to focus on. I think for me, being an empathetic leader, and, and I say that um, as something that I've always strived to be well before I specialize in the topic, putting kindness on the agenda, treating people with just compassion and decency, um, and just putting people above and beyond everything else has always been um, just a focus point for me from when I was very young in my career. Um, I don't think it was until the last couple of years that I really understood the relationship between that leadership style and mental health or mental wellness. Um, but certainly in the last two years, as I've taken on this journey to studying empathy um, and what I call regenerative leadership, so how we regenerate our workforces and teams, um, it's almost as if I fell into 
um, passion and interest in mental health in the workplace as well, because they are inextricably linked, right? We know today that our emotional well-being and our cognitive ability are, are linked, are one and the same, really. Um, so when you're looking at leadership and performance and team uh, wellness and how you create businesses that thrive, um, mental health needs to be right up there at the top of that agenda. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And, and I like how you, you explore and explain that as well, why it's also so relevant for businesses, because empathy as, as, as a topic is still relatively new. You know, a lot of people are talking about it, but how to actually live it and how to use empathy to really become the leader or a worker or a colleague that you want to be is, is still a relatively new topic for people where a lot of people have, have questions. Um, was there any specific moment that you can think of in your career when you really realized the importance of empathy? Is there anything in time that you can think of? This was the moment I realized that this is it for me. No, do you know what? I don't think there, there was one moment. Um, mm. I think there's probably lots of little moments when you grow in confidence as a leader in knowing that putting people first is definitely the right thing to do. And when you're making big, serious, scary business decisions, um, it, it can be very difficult, right? It can be very difficult to put people at the center of that decision-making because you have pressure to be looking at numbers, the bottom line, all these types of different analytics that you, you have to look at. Um, so for me, I think it was something that happened over time mm -hmm. um, and that I grew in confidence. I always felt it, instinctively, I always knew it. Uh, but as I developed in my career, and certainly the last two years, um, when I have been responsible for a business here that needed turnaround strategy and real sort of business growth. Um, going through those two years, I've certainly come out of them feeling far more confident um, with far more evidence as to things that I had always believed in and how they actually can work within the business environment to make, to make money, to make growth, to create performance. Yeah, that's that's exactly the angle. I think a lot of times, you know, these things, empathy, um, uh, also more connected leadership, which is one of the topics that also one of our upcoming guests is, is going to talk about as well, or even the topic of mental health are often being questioned because oftentimes people don't know how to put them actually in the business context. And what you're talking about is, is exactly that. How are you going to take something that should be actually natural to every single, you know, human being and any, anyone in a, in a working context? How do you translate that in a way that, that people can really make it a strong thing, a strong factor in business, translating into bottom line. And, and what you said, I think you wrote about it in one of your, your recent posts as well, how you use empathy as well to collect data, to really understand what exactly goes around you. How, how does that work exactly in, in practice when, when you look at empathy as a, a tool for data collection to make business decisions? Yeah, like, you know, Dora, it's such a good question and it's something I get asked all the time. And I think anyone actually that practices in any area of emotional intelligence or mental health or employee wellness, um, we're constantly being asked about return on investment, right? There is a constant discussion about what is the return I'm going to get for this on from a bottom line or a growth or any business KPI point of view. Um, for me, empathy is, as you just said, it's it's a data set, actually. You know, there's a lot of people that say, but isn't it just this emotional, maybe soft skill? Um, because of course, empathy is, comes from something emotional. It is, it is a feeling, it is an ability within the sort of emotional intelligent realm to connect with people, to understand them, to stand in someone else's shoes. Um, 
But the reality is if you don't have that data, if you don't understand the context of your team or your client or your customer, you're making decisions in avoid of all the information that's available to you. So absolutely the investment, and I don't only mean financially, time, energy, resource, whatever, the investment in being a more empathetic leader or having a more empathetic culture absolutely creates um, data and, and judgment-based information that you can use to make better business decisions. Absolutely. So before we, we, because we mentioned a couple of things about emotional intelligence, you mentioned a couple of topics that, that we also wanted to talk about in, in, in related to uh, organizational success, just for the sake of our audience, so that they really understand what empathy is. Could you maybe repeat some of the things that you said? What is exactly empathy? What is it here? Why is it here? And what is it here to do for us? Yeah, of course. I mean, empathy at its most basic is about perspective taking. It's about being able to stand in the shoes of somebody else and understand their context, understand their, their reality, um, understanding how they are seeing the environment at hand. So it is, it's, it's about a state. It's about taking on the state of someone else and understanding that and being able to use that for mutual um, gain, really. So that's what it is in a, in a definition. I mean, you can go into much more detail, but fundamentally, it's about perspective taking. Yeah, I would love to hear more. No, no, I would love to actually hear more. I have that every single time when we talk that I could just talk to you for hours. So, so please, <laughs> please continue what you were saying after perspective taking. Yeah, I mean, why we have empathy. Empathy is something that we, we use in our brains. I mean, it's something that we have honed over hundreds and hundreds of years. It's, it's part of how we develop modern civilization um, throughout all of millennia, you know, as, as human beings. We have been using empathy to understand those around us, our tribe, our groups, um, from everything from kind of survival and, and safety all the way through to teamwork and cohesion and, and social understanding. So it is, I mean, it's, it's something that we've proven with neuroscience. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions around empathy is that you either have it or you don't, which isn't true. We all have it. It's a function in our brain. We all can empathize. Um, obviously, some people choose to do that more or less often. Um, but the great thing is it's a, a learnable skill. So empathy is something that you can learn. It's something you can teach. It's something you can hone. And that's my passion, really, is to, is to open people's, I don't know, minds to the fact that that is a choice that you can make. That is exactly what, what I was thinking when you're speaking. That's a choice that you make. Uh, oftentimes, you know, that, that's the question. So are we born with it? And you just answer that. Yes, we all have empathy. So you can't just say that, no, I don't have that. I, I don't want to deal with that. It's also just a matter of how you look at it, reflect on it, and how you kind of grow that or work on it. Can, can it be looked at as a skill set as well? Would, would you say that empathy can be looked at as a skill? For sure. Absolutely. And I think it should be. And I think, you know, as we speak today, we're still within the COVID-19 crisis, we're still working from home and, and trying to understand how the world is and will change. Um, and at this time, it needs to be a skill set. You know, there's never been a time actually when we need the skills of empathy uh, more, than, more than ever for a couple of reasons, but one of which being that we're all isolated at home alone. So, you know, even if it's by a, a video connection like you and I are having now, that need to be able to understand people to create connection and cohesion is really important. And, you know, as the millennials take on the workforce, not that they already haven't, but as they do that even more, and as the millennials move into more C-suite and leadership positions, 
I think we'll see a very fast drive towards a demand for more emotionally intelligent skills in senior leadership. So I think that ball is rolling. I think uh, it's more of a, a when than a, than a, you know, if. If, and, and that's great. This is exactly where we should be, right? Back in the days, it was like, is that ever going to happen? But now we're, we're moving towards making it happen and people moving towards a better understanding of what it actually is. Speaking of C-suite and, and, and talking about senior leadership, have you ever had um, resistance when talking about um, empathetic leadership or, or as you refer to it, regenerative leadership? How was the, the perception with your colleagues or when you started working with this and being much more vocal about the topic of, of empathy in leadership position? Was it perceived uh, well or openly or did people understand in the first place what exactly you were, you were looking to do and, and make people understand? Do you know what, again, Dora, in these weeks, so much has changed. When I talk weeks, I'm talking about maybe 12 weeks. So uh, the first sort of the beginning of the second quarter um, of 2020, I think that the resistance seems to have opened up hugely. Um, I think the majority of the resistance falls into two uh, sort of pots, as it were. There are definitely the people, um, their Gen Xs, so the older generation, um, who don't understand it, don't have time for it, and are not interested in it. Um, but a lot of that is due to the history of where we've come from. So it's due to training, it's due to how they were trained as leaders, it's due to MBA programs, right? I mean, MBA programs, the way they work is that they look retrospectively. They are, on the whole, based on case studies, right? So MBA students look at case studies of businesses and learn from them. Um, and the reality is that there haven't been that many emotionally intelligent organizations since the kind of 80s and 90s and the, the boom years that we came out of for, for many reasons. So there are a whole lot of leaders that will say, why do I need emotional facets of my leadership? I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm fine. Thank you very much. So there's those people. Um, there are also the people that just don't understand it. Uh, they don't necessarily disagree. They just don't understand and they don't really care. But I think, again, that is changing because I think COVID-19 has changed things. The conversation has sped up and the workforce has changed their opinions. So now what I'm finding is even organizations in sort of um, law, accountancy, more traditionally uh, dry industries, perhaps, um, are reaching out and are talking to me and are communicating. And, and there's definitely openness. So I think all the signs are in the right direction. Yeah, that, and that's wonderful news. We, we saw similarities in the topic of mental health as well. How much more there's a need for people to talk about this. It's, it's not just their opinions change, but really the needs that the, the driver of individuals is has been modified. It, it's something more human, something a little bit more towards the well-being aspect of it. Um, I also uh, would like to refer back to you talking about emotional intelligence. So what is up with IQ and EQ, especially when it comes to organizational success? That's, that's a really big question. I think a lot of people are discussing, debating it. What's your view on that? Look, I think that for a very long time in business, we have focused on IQ. Um, and many of our businesses, we sell that. I mean, for, for me, in my professional role, I run an advertising agency. And you could argue that I sell intelligence, you know, creative intelligence, uh, strategic intelligence about how to build brands or run campaigns. 
Um, and that intelligence isn't going away. That's why we're professionals. That is what we sell. That's why you hire a lawyer um, or you work with a doctor because they have um, intelligence that you need and you need access to. Um, EQ is, of course, emotional intelligence, and it's the ability to understand the human being surrounding the, uh, the more professional content or the uh, academic training or whatever it is that that, that organization is, is specializing in. Um, and it's amazing how many people can be highly, highly, um, what's the word I want, professional and proficient in their um, IQ and perhaps just not pay any attention to their EQ. Um, but the impact of that from a mental health point of view, motivation, performance, output, all these effectiveness measures can be hugely impacted because fundamentally we're all human beings and we want to be treated well. We want to be understood, we want to be seen, we want to be heard. Um, we're people. And I don't think that there's an industry out there that could debate this. Whatever you sell, whatever your service is, human beings are, at least, at least for the foreseeable future, an incredibly important part of that. So understanding them and being emotionally connected to them is only gonna get more important. I love the passion and the, and the commitment and in your voice. I mean, the strength that just comes through to say like, yes, we're people. And that's what we've been saying as well. You know, mental health is very personal. Empathy is very personal. It's about people, our conversations about people and the difference that you can make just by focusing on these things and, and, and getting the benefits of, of investing into these, these skill sets, let's put it that way, is, is immense. And that actually is one of the questions that I wanted to ask again a little bit to you. I know you mentioned in a couple of parts of, of why it's beneficial to, to use or have emotional intelligence within an organization, but what are the, the benefits exactly, or could you list out maybe a couple benefits to people using and practicing empathy, not just in leadership positions, but in any professional context? Why is it good for them to actually be empathetic? Look, we, as I mentioned earlier, we evolved. Uh, to be empathetic. So if you took away all of the other information that I say in the next couple of minutes, that's all you need to remember. Our evolution depended on us being empathetically connected. It depended on many other things as well. Um, but it, it's a human need. We need to be seen and we need to be heard. And, you know, as you mentioned, I've worked all around the world. And um, one of my focus points was cultural understanding. I wanted to spend the last 10 plus years working across the emerging markets and studying human beings, whether they're Chinese, Indonesian, Nigerian, you know, Arabs in the Arab world. Um, what is it that connects us, unites us as human beings? And take away cultural differences and nuances and uh, things that happen in different environments. Human beings all want the same thing, right? It's the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. We want to be loved, we want to be safe, we want to be secure. Um, and empathy plays into so many parts of that because it is when someone understands you, when someone really listens to you, when you feel heard, um, there are all kinds of benefits. Uh, comfort, confidence, stability, peace. Um, and that's not just in work. I mean, that could be with your, you know, your husband, your wife, even your toddler. You know, I have, a, I have a toddler and without a doubt, when I get down to her eye level and really try to understand why she's having her moment, um, you can resolve those issues so much more quickly when you try and stand in the shoes of whoever it is that you're talking to. 
speaking of softening the edge, right? You're really understanding uh, what's happening around you and you have the interest and you want to invest in those relationships because it really, it really works out in the long run. And I'm not sure if our audience picked up on that, maybe not, but softening the edge is actually something that I want to talk about because this is the title of your upcoming book, right? Which is fully, fully dedicated of, uh, to empathy. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, it is. And I, I'm just, I can't believe that it's finished that I wrote a book. Um, in fact, people keep saying, how did you write a book? And I say, I don't think I did. I think the book wrote me. I, I, I don't even know how I found the time, but, um, yeah, Softening the Edge comes out in um, August this summer. It's my first book. And as you said, it's all about empathetic influence um, in the workplace. Having said that, it really, as I wrote, became more and more about society because you can't separate the two. And one of my real sort of passion points is that we spend five sevenths of our working lives in work, right? And yet we still seem to spend all of our time talking about work-life balance. How can you talk about work-life balance when you have five versus two? Because a balance, yin and yang, you know, in its being has to be balanced. We're never gonna have perfect balance with work and life because we spend five sevenths of it in one of those areas. And therefore, for me, trying to improve that five sevenths of the week, um, trying to create environments where people can thrive and really feel content and happy and, and try and impact some of the um, signalers in society that things aren't all quite as we hope they would be, whether that's anxiety, depression, uh, the loneliness endemic that we're seeing around the world, um, even suicide at the sort of very serious end of that. There are all these markers that just show that life isn't in balance, that work is taking far too much of a toll on people, and that there is another way. And so that's really what my book does. It talks about that. It tells my story um, of arriving in the Middle East and using empathy and what I call regenerative leadership in the workforce to turn around that business and pulls on lessons from all kinds of other people like Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft, uh, Jacinda Ardern, who's the Prime Minister of New Zealand, so I look at other leaders who are in far larger roles than I am and how they've also used it. And uh, yeah, hopefully it will be an inspiring read for people. I think that's not even a question because even just talking to you, the, the authenticity and, and the way you talk about this, you can really feel that this is close to your heart. And, and that's exactly, I feel that when, when you have that passion and love for your project, that's when it's really going to make an impact. I cannot wait uh, for the book to come out and, and we're definitely going to, I think, take advantage of the pre-sale as well, which is already live. Is that correct? Yeah, we're doing some pre-sales now. Um, so a few people have emailed me. There's been a couple of companies that have got in touch. Um, so yeah, the, uh, people can definitely get in touch if they want it now. But otherwise, by the summer, it will um, it will be on Amazon and all those easy channels. So Perfect. Well, we will be sure to actually reference it in our podcast script and notes as well so that people know exactly how to get, to, get in touch with you and also hear and learn a little bit more about your book. I think that the fact that it, it includes practical examples, examples of other leaders and other individuals as well, because as we talked about it, it's personal. Everyone is different. And I think the way you can actually use that, that the different um, use cases and different styles that people can develop empathy or work on their own empathy, empathetic skills, I think is, is extremely useful to, to our audience. 
If someone though is looking to potentially hear more from you and 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 uh, understand and 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 read more from you or even hear from more from you, we can talk a little bit about Empathy for Breakfast, which is one of the other initiatives that you recently started. If I'm not mistaken, about five weeks ago, can that be? Yeah, five weeks. So tell us about that breakfast, Empathy for Breakfast. What exactly is that? I'm a big fan of that, guys. So in case you want to see me post in the, in the next couple of weeks about that, that's definitely uh, happening. But I would love it, Mimi, if you could share a little bit more about what is the idea behind Empathy for Breakfast? Yes, thank you. It is. It's my, um, my real kind of passion project at the moment. Um, obviously, we've been in lockdown quite a long time all around the world, and I wanted to make sure that I was using this time um, really well and Empathy for Breakfast is a breakfast show. In my mind I've been thinking about it for a long time and had always thought that it would be you know in a studio with proper recording and lights but no it's in my home in fact in the space that we're sitting in now. Um, it's a breakfast show it's every Tuesday morning it's only 17 minutes long uh, so it's designed to be very empathetic to the audience um, if you can hear my child in the background, please tell me and I'll... That's, you just told me today that this is life um, because we had, just, just to make it even more real to our, to our listeners, we just lost our internet literally 10 minutes before the actual podcast recording and we were running around like crazy chickens in the house trying to kind of, you know, sort things out. So, and, and when we called Mimi and we told her like, okay, we're having a problem, her reaction was, that's life. Don't be stressed about it. It's all good. So I couldn't be more supportive and more empathetic towards you to say, that's life. We love that she's there and she's taking part of our conversation as well. So welcome to Step Zero as well. <laughs> Thank you. But if, if she's downstairs, but do let me know. I can always pop out and quiet her. But yeah, the goal behind Empathy for Breakfast being 17 minutes long is to be very empathetic to the audience. And I just think there's so much content out there. And for me even fantastic content, I often feel, oh my gosh, it's 56 minutes long, how am I gonna fit it in? Um, so I wanted to create something that was really short, that was easy to fit in, that you can literally have over your cup of tea, and 17 minutes was my very scientific analysis of how long it takes to drink a cup of tea um, or coffee in the morning. And the insight behind the show is that one of the greatest ways to improve our empathy is through reading and that has been proven many times uh, there's lots of neuroscience behind that because obviously when you read particularly fiction you can uh, feel what it's like to be that character to understand that protagonist um, so at the core of empathy for breakfast every week I do read to the audience uh, I feel like it's a long lost skill you know those days when the grandparents sat around the fire and read to you a, a long gone um, so there's a reading, often very short, it can be a book, an article, uh, a song even. Um, and I use that just to create inspiration around um, some skills, some ideas, some sort of thought provocation around how to take empathy into business in the week ahead. And every show has a slightly different theme, it might be around creativity or business results or performance. Um, yeah, and it's, it's been just an overwhelmingly positive experience. Even though I do it from home, people have been incredibly supportive. We reach about 160 people a week now. And today, I even had people from Indonesia and Pakistan. So reaching some really interesting countries as well, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Well, that's all of that staying connected. And, and, and I think the whole idea is, is wonderful. So we'll make sure that we share the link to, um, uh, to our audience as well so that they can sign up. Um, uh, to, these, are, these are over Zoom at the moment, right? 
They are, yeah, they're via Zoom. Yes, so we'll make sure that we share that with everyone uh, on our side as well to make sure that they can be part of the experience and really understand more and practice what you mean by reading being a long last skill to actually improve and train uh, uh, empathy as well. And now that we're sadly from my side, because I love talking to you, we're slowly getting to the end of the podcast and I actually only have maybe one or two questions um, uh, left and it's more about recommendations. We talked a lot about your your own projects, which I think are, are incredible. And they're going to be resources that people can really use to better their lives and better their professional and personal development. Could you think of maybe any other resources, forums, or even authors that uh, if anyone who's interested um, to learn about more, uh, a little bit about empathy and, and leadership, and, and also learn a little bit more about the journey that you have gone through as well yourself. Could you recommend anything to us or, or to our people who could, uh, or what they could take a look at? Yeah, like I think for sure, um, Satya Nadella, who I mentioned earlier, who is the uh, CEO of Microsoft, um, he has written a book and he is incredibly inspiring and talks a lot about empathy and, and people-centered sort of leadership. Uh, so anything by Satya Nadella, uh, even if you Google him, he speaks a lot about it. Very, very interesting. I think Simon Sinek, uh, who probably most of your listeners know, um, his books and his work. So he has, I think, over a million followers on LinkedIn. Uh, Simon Sinek's content is also not all in the empathy field, for sure, um, but a lot of aligned thinking there about people-led leadership and, and how to sort of increase that emotional intelligence in the workforce. So that's also really, really useful. Here in Dubai, but it's a global business, there's a business called Safe Space, mm -hmm. um, who do a lot of work around mental health in the workplace um, and, and in communities as well. And they're also, you know, it's, it's in my ecosystem because it's in Dubai, but also lots of really relevant um, sort of webinars and content going on um, in the mental health space and perhaps slightly different from the markets they're in. And I think one of the great things I've learned from being all around the world in recent years is that on these themes, you often, if you tune into webinars or podcasts from a country that's not your own, um, there's often a slightly different wave going on there, slightly different opinions. Um, so yeah, they're also a really interesting bunch of people. Um, so yeah, take a look. I actually have taken, again, tons of notes here to make sure that we can also not just reference it, but also for ourselves. I actually have seen, I think even through your uh, recent activities, I have seen uh, Safe Space. So I will definitely take a, a look at uh, what they are doing and, and maybe potentially even get connected to learn a little bit what their experiences and what they do. And, and maybe we can also have some takeaways from that. As the last question on the podcast, I actually would like to ask you for one recommendation to individuals. What would you recommend to someone who's looking to um, start the journey of empathy and uh, empathetic leadership? Um, what is the next step? They're, maybe they're afraid of it. Maybe they're a little bit reluctant. They don't know how to start. How do you actually start embracing this journey and, and, and take the next step towards a better future and more empathetic leadership? Look, I think um, the the most important thing to know is that, um, as I said earlier, it's a choice. And there's a very famous Henry Ford quote, uh, the guy who founded Ford Motors. And he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you probably can't. And what he was referring to is, is that, you know, once you have your intention in the right direction, you can, you know, you can sort of achieve anything really. So if you believe that you are not empathetic or you can't be empathetic, you're gonna really struggle. 
Uh, we know it's a skill set that you can learn. We know that there are steps towards it. And I will be putting out more and more content around that because it's a question I get asked all the time. But the first step is really just to want to do it, to be inquisitive, to be curious, um, and to find out a little bit more about it. And then the second thing I'd say, if I really narrowed all the things down, would be just to focus on listening. In your conversations today, when you meet people, even in the coffee shop or on the bus or when you're at home, uh, if you focus on really hearing people when they speak to you, um, you'll find that automatically you begin to understand people a little bit better because so often we fly through our days without really listening to people. So um, yeah, number one, make the commitment to want to do so. And number two, start really thinking about listening and, and how to listen to people better. And you're definitely in the right direction. Well, there's no way to actually finish our conversation on a more actionable and more positive note. Mimi, I would like to thank you again for, for coming on board with us, for talking about empathy, mental health, being vulnerable in this conversation, opening up about your journey, who you are and what you've accomplished. We're really grateful that you took the time for that. And we hope to continue the conversation with you either through uh, Empathy for Breakfast, your upcoming book or, or potential new conversations through Step Zero. And to our audience, I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. Uh, I am 100% that we would love to hear from you as well and, and have you take part in her initiatives too. We'll make sure that we reference all her contact details and where you can message her on, on LinkedIn or over, over email. We definitely recommend you to follow what she's doing. Um, it's something that you can learn from and something that can help you make that choice and make the commitment to bettering your life. Mimi, thank you so much for joining us again uh, with Step Zero and helping us um, make, change the perception of how mental health is being perceived in the modern workplace. Thank you so much. I wish you a lovely rest of the day. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you will join us for the next upcoming uh, conversation as well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>